With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Good morning, Andy. It's time for you to start your radio show. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Andy Lopez, the invisible gardener, has been helping folks from around the world, and he can help you too. Listen to Don't Panic, It's Organic every Saturday afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can just listen or you can call in and talk directly to the Invisible Gardener right here on bbsradio.com slash don't panic, it's organic. That's don't panic, it's organic every Saturday afternoon on bbsradio.com slash don't panic, it's organic. Now would you like to start a garden You can plant your ocean Right beside mine Hello, everybody. This is Andy Lopez, and you're listening to Don't Panic, It's Organic. Didn't know I could sing, did you? It's a garden where you're all come true you just give them a little space and time now would you like to start a garden so how are we doing today everybody um this is uh this song is of course is started garden uh and it's uh been requested a lot, so <clears throat> I thought I'd play it again. I love I love it myself. <clears throat> One of my favorite songs. Uh, people send me stuff, and you're welcome to if you have a old gardening songs. Um, just uh, you can send it to me as a MP3 file if you like, or if it's online somewhere, I send me the link. Uh, you can always send me a uh, CD of it, but that's you know. I have <clears throat> one friend, one person sent me a CD had about 20 songs on it. And uh, I was on as a guest on his show, and he had all this collection of old songs, so he sent me a whole bunch. Uh, and that's a lot a lot of where I got them today, you know, but you're welcome to send them to me. Uh, so today is uh, March 9th, 2019. Uh, this is um, Rock Dust Month. And as I told you before, uh, I'm known as Andy Lopez, but I'm better known as the Invisible Gardener. And this is uh, this show is called Don't Panic, It's Organic. Uh, let me show you how to work with Mother Nature instead of against her. So we have a lot of stuff coming up all throughout the year. 
um, this is like Raktas month, so we're going to be talking. Uh, I've already uh, been talking about Raktas the last week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about. Well, next week we have a, a guest, uh, and uh, whether he wants to talk about Raktas or not, I'm sure he's knowledgeable in Raktas, but uh, his name is Josh Tickle. Let me see, I got his book over here. His name is Josh Tickle, T I C K E L L. And he wrote a great book called Kiss the Ground, How the Food You Eat Can Reverse Climate Change, Heal Your Body, and Ultimately Save the World. Sounds familiar, hey? <laughs> um, and he's going to be on. We're going to be talking about his, uh, I'm going to go over his book. And he also is involved with um, an upcoming uh, documentary called The Revolution Generation. Revolution Generation. I think he's doing two documentaries. One's called Kiss the Ground, and the other one called Revolution Generation. And the book is his book called Kiss the Ground. And he's been uh, called a big veggie. Oh, he did a uh, he he has a, a a painted veggie van. This is really cool, and it runs on frying oil as a fuel. And so he did a movie called Fuel. Went to theaters globally. Was shown was shown in the White House. That's kind of cool. I should do something like that. <laughs> He's going to be on next week. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll see. And then uh, the following week after that, I think there is a uh, still another uh, Saturday available. Take a quick look because I know this Saturday. Uh, yeah, so they see. So Josh will be on next Saturday. Then we have two more uh, Saturdays coming up. I may have a surprise guest or two coming on with, with Rock Dust. I'm trying to get Joanne Campy. Hey, Joanna, come on, and a few other people. But because it's so late, you know, contacting them, um, I'll probably set up another Rock Dust Month, which I like to do several times a year and try to invite everybody that's in the Rock Dust business or any knowledge of it to come and talk about it and share their experience and their knowledge. And um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if I was to... Uh, I wonder if they have an index back here. <laughs> I don't see one. You know, usually, what you know, like an index where you can try to figure out if there's a word in here that you want to look for. But I was, I bet you, if I looked up rock dust in here, that it's probably mentioned in a lot of different ways. I'm in a process of trying to read through it myself. I can't just you know go all the way through it so much. Just like my book, you just really can't sit down and read it like a, like a novel. Because there's so much so much great information in here, stuff that that I've been talking about for years, and then even better, more information. Because I'm, you know, I try to lead the way, and then let other people just take it and run with it. And John's has done a great job. Uh, carbon sequestration of soil for climate change this is one of the things I've been talking about forever in terms of what we have to do to help the soil, Earth, to heal herself so that she can heal us. Um, and there's lots of stuff in here. Wonderful information on mycorrhiza, uh, the internet of the soil. Soil. Does that sound familiar? And talks about um, the human diet. So there's a lot of stuff here that we can, we're going to try to cover. Really can't cover it all in one uh, sitting. So hopefully we'll get some more um, visits from Josh. Um, today I'm going to be talking about uh, rock dust minerals, healthy soil, and how to heal, heal the earth and you heal yourself. 
That's what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, let me uh, go ahead and uh, where is it at? There you go. Right beside mine. So today's show has been brought to you by the Invisible Gardener. Um, that's, that would be uh, invisiblegardener.com. Visit his website and let him help you with your tree recovery, with your soil health, or information on rock dust, natural pest control, or disease control. If you need help for just a few months or try our low, low monthly rate, you can upgrade if you need more help. Uh, members get access to the organic hotline and ask Andy forums as well as to be able to download all of my books. I have 21 books so far. Uh, you get them in the ebook e version. You can also get access to the members only podcast. Uh, for example, members get this show. They also get uh, my uh, other shows. I have a what's in your garden. I have an audio book show, which I read my book out to. Um, and I also have a, uh, my inner gardening music show. I have a, a refractometer and I, uh, and I also have another, a few other shows. <laughs> um, um, most of them, all of them members will get. What I'm going to try to do eventually is uh, have other guests to come over onto this show, uh, but I don't want them to do the shows twice. So what I usually do when I have somebody on as a guest in another show, I just publish the show sometimes. So members can get all the shows. Otherwise, I invite them on here as a guest. Um, I said Invisible Gardener for a magical garden. So don't forget, go to InvisibleGardener.com and check it out, okay? Um, so um, if you want to talk to me, because that's what it's really all about here, more or less. I, I like talking to myself, but not, not that much. <laughs> I am not a talk-to-myself type of guy. But if you want to talk to me, have a question, um, you can call here at 888-627-6008. Um, there's a direct line, which is 323-944-4831. Since we use Skype here, you can call directly to Skype on BBS Radio PR, all lowercase. That would be B, that's BBS Radio PR, all lowercase. You can always contact me by, via my website if you have a, a question. I use the inquiry form. Uh, and, and while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. You will automatically be entered in, this, in the current month's contest. So anybody that signs up for the newsletter automatically gets entered in that particular month's contest. And the only way you can, and you have to enter it every month, and the only way you can enter is through the newsletter. There's a button that says, Enter me in this month's contest. Make sure that when you do that, you also write an address. 
people say, why should I write an address? Is this a contest? Well, there's either two ways we could do this. So you can put the address on there. If you win, then I have a place to send you the product. Uh, or if you don't put an address and you win, no problem. I'll email you back. I need an address. Eventually, I have to get an address if you're going to get whatever you're going to win. Okay, so this month, the winner gets a growers kit. Other than they always get, everybody gets a lifetime membership in the club. It's a club. I call it Club IG, like Club Invisible Gardener. Okay, so they all get that, which basically means that they have access to uh, the my 21 books. They're an ebook version. You can go th get them, download them. Uh, I try to update them on the process of now of updating all of them up to 2019 level. That means I go through it, make some changes, update information. Uh, my uh, <clears throat> Don't Panic, It's Organic is up to version 165, I think it is. <laughs> uh, actually, it's just, uh, if you ever did an edition, you'll see that the, the, the minor editions, which are between 1 and 10, and any major edition, so it will go from 10, 20, 30, 40, otherwise it's 13, 14. So it's basically uh, about 10 different editions that I've done so far, changes. Okay, so um, so that way I can you know answer your questions and I will answer them in the next uh, show. Uh, and so the next show we're going to have uh, Josh on, okay? Uh, but I usually try to get the questions in there as well, answer your questions and so forth, okay? And then uh, right after the show here, uh, we have um, I have uh, a new show that I'm doing. And it's called, uh, I call it the Cosmic Spaceship. And I'm your, your captain. And so I do that right after the show. And this is like one of the songs that I, that I do. Uh, I do my own songs, but here's one I'm working on right now. gotten a name for it yet I have no idea what it's called uh, I'm working on it right now as we speak I kind of like well I stop while I'm doing the show okay so I was doing it before I started and I'll probably when I'm done with the show I'll probably finish it off somehow <laughs> okay so today I'm going to keep keep with my discussion about uh, rock dust and try to uh, explain to you what I understand about rock dust and different sources of rock dust and different um, places you can get them and different varieties that they're they're available and why why you, would you want to get all the different types of varieties as opposed to just buying one here and there? So um, first of all, I, I've been talking about rock dust <clears throat> pretty much from day one when I started. My business. I was in. Um, well, if you if you count 
the time when I started as a kid, but it's not because I wasn't really a business, just me doing my thing. So, but I started my business in 1970. And one of the things I learned about what I, you know, I, I wasn't really doing uh, gardening. I was basically, I, 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 in case you don't know, I've explained it before and I hate to really go over it too, too often. You know, I feel like you're repeating myself to you, but in 1970, I started a church um, as a charitable organ, you know, it's a religious charitable organization, an educational organization. That's the way to have it set up and didn't have any choice. Uh, and then I started the educational aspect of that, which I called Living Institute of Survival Technology. Uh, that's, that explains it's pretty much itself what it does. And then I started um, The Invisible Gardener. So that was in 1970. And um, so I was, at first I started doing raised beds for people, and then I started doing more along the lines of not so much natural pest control, but yeah, when usually people have a problem, they want to uh, figure out how to deal with that. And so ant problems, for example, were, were something that kept me busy for a long time, and it's very difficult to try to explain to people what they have to do to control the ants. Uh, I learned a long time ago that there, you know, there's a law of cause and effect. This is what I teach all the time, law of cause and effect. And so the ants are, I never considered them to be evil or bad or negative or, they're just other living beings on the planet. They have the tasks and things that they have to do here and then they, uh, they have certain jobs that they have to do, it's just like we have certain jobs that we have to do, whether we're good at it or not, that's another story. But I uh, quickly realized that um, when I, you know, when I did my gardening, what made for healthy plants, right, was healthy soil. And by healthy soil, I always thought of it as a living things in the soil. Uh, I didn't think of the soil itself as a living being, you know, the sand itself and the dirt, whatever, as a living being. But the being that lived in the soil. And it wasn't until I got o older that I realized that it, there is a being, so to speak, that lives in the soil and it, uh, and, it, and it encompasses all these other little beings that are living in the soil, whatever type of microbial life they are. But you see this, there's like billions of little microbes who live in the soil, but there's also uh, one big giant um, living organism that lives in the soil, and it could be miles and miles wide, if not encompassing um, uh, the planet, because it's not, you know, it doesn't, uh, you know, you have the ocean in between continents, and so you don't have an underwater microbial life, even though you have different microbial lives, and that's one reason why we have this web. We call it the web, and it's a, and when I talk a lot about mycelium, I talk a lot about the web of mycelium. And I have, you know, to me, the mycelium that lives in the soil is one being, is one entity, has one consciousness, no matter where it is on the planet. Uh, and, and it's just like, for, for me, uh, human beings are the, in a similar kind of uh, one soil, one consciousness. Uh, I call it a group soil, because we all have this same consciousness that we share we can eventually we'll have to work as one right now we're like the body 
um, the, the thumb, the fingers, the nails, and everything else working separately without even knowing that we're a part of something. But the the mycelium in the ground is is a form of microorganism that encompasses a wide area. So it's not just tiny little organisms, but a big functioning web. And so I, I and you know the more you I talk with other people, the more I talk about uh, how to you can save the world. What we're talking about, you know, is the soil. If we can save the soil and heal the soil, because when I talk a lot about, um, I tell people, heal the earth and you heal yourself. Uh, so I can just as easily say, heal the soil and you heal yourself. Right? And it's, you know, um, it's the key to to basically our survival in, in on this planet in the long term and even in short term and long term. It's a key to this climate change scenario problem that we have here in terms of it getting too hot or eventually getting too cold, uh, of going from one end of it to the other end of it. So it's a key to, um, and it's also, you know, when I tell people to heal the earth, soil, you heal yourself, because if you have a healthy soil, it's just like in, in gardening or in growing or in tree care or anything, the whole idea is you have healthy soil, healthy plants. Well, it, it goes one step, for, uh, many steps further than that in the sense that we are part of that chain. So somewhere in there, when you get healthy plants, you may get to a healthy insects, healthy animals, right? Healthy people. So everybody would be healthy, right? We all want to eat healthy food. We want to eat healthy animals, healthy plants, right? Let me spray a little bit of this. Yeah. Ooh. And to, to me, when it's healthy, where it means that we're in, in this mellow mode mood that's we're not going through any radical earth changes or any radical crises even though this can happen at any moment for any reason like a meteorite or the sun could blow could, could give a solar flare but if we're in a space where um everything's cool everything's mellow everything's happy everything's healthy we could go for, that's how Everything has evolved. That's how it's taken millions and millions of years for all these things to happen. So, I, the rock dust happens to be rock dust happens to be a very simple way that the Earth has been remineralizing itself. And we, I talk a lot about, I talk a lot about, <laughs> but when I talk to people or like like I'm doing on the radio show whether I give a, a lecture or a class um, I try to uh, relate to them the experience I've had in that the rock dust by itself doesn't work you just can't go around throwing rock dust everywhere and expect it to happen I, I was looking at a video today that basically says why rock dust doesn't work and so they did tests they took all different types of rock dust put it on, on different plots of soil and they had a, a control where they didn't do any plot, any rock dust and they didn't find any different. And of course they're not going to find any different because the soil's dead and if you throw rock dust on it down there, there's nothing that's going to eat it. And so in nature, and you know, I, uh, it, it's, and it's really interesting because it, it mother nature or oh, throughout the, uh, the, 
all the years and millions of years that it's been doing this has set up a really cool, really interesting system that works, including the way it takes in the carbon and how it uses carbon and, and all the different, and if you recall me last uh, week, I talked about how the, the ocean takes in the carbon dioxide, how the, 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 the soil takes in the carbon dioxide, how the trees take in the carbon dioxide, right? Uh, and these are all different systems that are in place for that purpose and how the Gulf Stream works and how the cycle of cold and winter and spring and summer, spring and winter, how these cycles all come into being, and how everything's in a very delicate balance of how things work and how um, Mother Nature remineralizes the soil through the ice ages. Uh, it's been a while since we've had an ice age and we're due for one and we're going to get one because we seem to have pushed it to happen. Uh, one, one of my articles is, uh, is called The Ice Age Has Started. And if you notice, it's getting colder and colder, while at the same time, the, the years are also getting uh, hotter and hotter years. So we've had it the coldest winters and the hottest summers ever. And uh, as I, and I've uh, explained many times over, when you have that kind of heat and melting fresh water, you have more fresh water in the air and the ocean, fresh water freezes faster. And because it freezes faster, you can have more of it, and it's eventually going to be colder and colder for longer and longer than you have. There's your ice age. And one of the things that the ice age does is that the ice, the glaciers grind up everything underneath it into a fine powder. Well, not everything, but enough of it into a fine powder, and then we recede. There's your rock dust. And rock dust is different everywhere and around the world is different depending upon how it's made and where it comes from. And so the uh, what's really cool is that it has a way of, uh, uh, nature has a way of making all these really different varieties to make sure that we we have a mixture. And the animals are a very important key to that uh, because they have their own microbiological bio um, organisms that come with them. And as I talk about how the they, we have all evolved from the fungi in the first place, and, and you, you, you realize that it's important that not only have we evolved from the fungi, but we are actual function of the fungi because the, the organisms that we have evolved into and the organisms we have in our stomach that have evolved right along with us are essential to the function of the soil because it means the soil evolved right along with us, right? And when we poo-poo, we're putting the microbes back into the soil again we're we have become humans have become a little bit different than than animals in nature because we are not only overpopulating right <laughs> we're eating everything in sight but you know it's going to be more and more of us and less and less of food and of course more and more poop and we're different in a lot of ways and one of the ways is of course we decided we're just not going to go around pooping anywhere. We're just going to do it in bathrooms or whatever. And then, of course, we have a sewage problem, and that's another story, different, different problem right there, because um, I that's one of the uh, ten environmental boundaries we're not supposed to cross is how we pollute our soil, what we do with waste and toxins. Uh, but like I said, that's another story. But so we, you know, so what. Throughout the history of the Earth, we've had these interactions of glaciers that come and go, right? We have cold periods and hot periods. 
Um, the last uh, ice period was called the Little Ice Age. Was at the end, at the end of the Little Ice Age when uh, Columbus was crossing the Delaware. Uh, Napoleon had and England had a real rough time of it because it was a really really bad winter time, right? Uh, before that, we had the uh, the warming period called the medieval warming period. So we had a, a, a little bit of warming period there, and that's, that happened because the Europeans were expanding in Europe, and they were digging down their forests, and about the only forest that wasn't touched was the Black Forest in Germany because it was a magical forest full of beings that nobody would touch, and there were other spots of forests. But basically, the forests were being cut left and right, and that alone lasted for about 500 years, and so did the Ice Age for about 500 years or so. That's why they call it the Little Ice Age. Before that, it was a 10,000, 20,000 year old ice age that lasted, and, and about equal amount of, um, of warming. It doesn't always mean that this that you have a ice age equal to the warming, because this is what's coming up now. For example, we're going to have a rapid, rapid, rapid warming period. It's going to get hot really fast, really, really fast. Before you know it, things will be melting left and right, and then we're going to have a really long, cool cold period because there's going to be so much of this stuff and very little heat that it's going to take a while for it to slowly but surely if it happens because you know it doesn't have to happen over and over again the way nature works is not the law of nature is chaos not order we're lucky we live in a place of order but it's chaos all around us so the the the, the chance of the heat and everything and the cold acting and behaving the way it did before is not good so we're going to end up with something entirely different happening and going down a different road, uh, whether human life will be around or whether the bacteria will be around. I mean, a long time ago, we were a planet of methane. And the only reason why we have oxygen is because we have these microbes that evolved to eat the methane and give off oxygen. They found out recently there's only a few of these left on the planet. And there's one place over Hawaii where the volcano's down and, and, and the very bottom that they found a few of these patches of this microorganism and that they're now working on trying to see how they can develop more of that because they ate methane and gave off oxygen. They cover basically all different parts of the world in the ocean. So we were methane and when and through the conditions that came right because it got cold enough to froze the methane, put the methane into the ground. That's the permafrost. It put the methane into the ground. It also the coolness controlled the volcanic lava and the volcanic activity in the earth. So it became a way to calm everything, control everything, and keep it hold it in a certain place. And that's what's been going. And then we came along, and we decided to make it colder faster than it's ever been before. And that cold is releasing the lava, and it's also releasing the methane. It's going to go right back. To, and we have no guarantee that it's going to get cold enough just in the right conditions fast enough to control it because the biggest problem is going to be methane. We can't breathe methane. No living thing can bring, breathe methane. I don't think you can evolve fast enough to breathe methane. You may be in, in uh, you know, space suits, right? Uh, and and uh, might as well live in a spaceship. Uh, okay. So, and and the thing is, is that, see, this, it goes back to the earth, right? It goes back to the soil, because if the earth is functioning right, right, and if everything's functioning right, that alone would help solve the problem, because it'll start to, um, the conditions are still there enough to pick up, to, to, to go back to where we were at, but we, we have to control, right, the CO2 in the air. 
And the way we nature does that is that these things don't function overnight. You can't just press a button. Okay, the ocean's clean, boom, that works. Okay, the soil clean, push that, but that work. Oh, the air is clean, push that work, right? The water is clean, push that, right? Now, it doesn't work that way. It takes thousands and not millions of years, or hundreds of thousands of years, hundreds of millions of years for all these things to fall into place and be functioning correctly. <clears throat> so, the, 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 the problem that we're having now is that many people are not realizing that, that we're on a speeding train and we have the, the, no brakes. And, and if we stop putting fuel into the engine, it'll slow down all by itself, but we can't seem to stop putting the fuel into the engine. That's the problem. You know, it's like a chicken with head cut off is running around. You have no idea that you just have your head cut off. So, uh, and there are some of us yelling, danger, real Robinson, danger, danger. And, and it's kind of, you know, one of the things I wrote not too long ago, it was 50 ways how to, how to kill all living beings on the planet. And it would basically cover the 10 environmental boundaries. Um, and I don't know if I had read about the 10 environmental boundaries or if somebody had contacted me about the 10 environmental boundaries. At any rate, I found an article that covers the 10 environmental boundaries. Oh, I remember somebody wrote to me and said, you must have read my article that covers the 10 environmental boundaries. And I said, no, I just wrote about these normal boundaries like water, air, um, you know, food. <laughs> you know, you can't be living in a radiated environment, uh, you know. And these are all common. These are all boundaries that we're not supposed to cross, which we have already crossed. And that means if we did nothing but just stop what we're doing wrong, we have already crossed it. And the, the we have already taken the pendulum and picked it up and and carried a, you know, the pendulum normally swings, say, say you know, four o'clock to, to, to eight o'clock, four to eight, just swings gently back and forth, four o'clock, it's over at four o'clock and it swings over to eight o'clock. But if you take the four o'clock one, you take it up to three o'clock, even all the way up to the two o'clock, right? And you let go, it's gonna go down past the eight o'clock, past the nine o'clock, it's gonna go all the way up to 10, 11, right? And it's gonna take a long time because when it comes down, it's not gonna stop at the four o'clock, it's gonna go back up, maybe not as high, who knows what the what the pendulum is like in the in the in this kind of universal action. I don't think it follows the same rules where eventually it just slows down all by itself. It doesn't work that way. So we have started this act, this and this and uh, uh, rolling. Hang on a second. I'll be right back. Okay. So um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to do this. Okay, okay. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Okay. Hang on. I'll be right back.
Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, we had a little minor, um, shall we say, uh, kitchen problem. I started, um, see, this show goes on for a while, and then I do my show after that. By the time I'm done, it's 3 o'clock, and I need to start cooking dinner by then. It's too late to start doing dinner, so I started on, and I forgot all about it, and I had cooking, and I think I burned something. I got to it just before I burned it. I was smelling. It smells good, so I think it's ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the bottom line is simple, is that, you know, we still, we have to do something, you know, so we have all kinds of real problems that we have to deal with on many, many different levels. But, and, you know, and, you know, human beings are, uh, a friend of mine wrote a poem and he called it, the human being is a mushy machine. <laughs> and what I got out of it is that we're not, you know, we are not really very good gardeners. You know, we don't really take care of, of the planet. We don't take care of our environment. Um, that's a real problem, I think. If you have to get rid of all human beings on the planet, the Earth will eventually figure out what it wants to do and go down that course without us. It'll take a long time for it to clean itself up, to get everything straight, straight back again. If it forms that, it might just go down a different different avenue, a different path entirely. But for now, one of the advantages of, uh, not advantages, but, but being human means to me that we have the capability of doing something really good, of being good gardeners, so to speak. So I have no choice but to try to, to to walk my talk myself. I I don't, you know, I wish I didn't have to use a car, right? I wish I didn't have to use electricity that's that's being generated in, in certain ways that I don't, uh, this isn't uh, sustainable. Uh, there's lots of things, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm working on it. Uh, I love to be able to be more sustainable. I would love our society to be more sustainable. But these things um, require us to evolve in a lot of different ways, uh, how we deal with money, right? How we deal with resources, how we deal with other people. And we're going through some major changes right now. We're going through the Piscean age, changing into the Aquarian age. We're overlapping, so it's going to be some major catastrophic changes because we have to let go. The fishes in the ocean have to learn how to be the fishes in the sea. But so, uh, there, and there are some of us like me that would like to, uh, you know, uh, prepare you the way, <laughs> so to speak. And so I believe that if the sooner we start working on healing the soil, healing the earth, the sooner the earth will be able to start taking care of us again. It's really that simple. And so it's important that we understand why rock does works, how it works, right? You just can't throw the rocks around. You have to have the the rest of the of the uh, of the army together, you know, to, to do the job. And it, it comes down to uh, rock dust and minerals, right? I write rock dust equals minerals. Rock dust plus microbes equals minerals equals healthy soil. And it's and 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 it's kind of misleading because, in a sense, the soil itself. It's not one organ, one being, right? It's it's like having a healthy society, or a healthy economy, right? Or you know, so you can take it to a healthy planet, right? So, in the uh, so we have to start somewhere, and, and I've learned that the important thing we have to do now is to. Uh, 
understand what we're doing wrong and try to make those little changes here and there. My first book was How the Earth Feel the Earth in Your Spare Time, and that's essentially it. The little things that we do can make a big difference in the long run, from recycling stuff to learning about the uh, transportation, learning about the fuel we use, electricity, uh, and not just learning, but doing something about it. Even at our, at our levels, everybody has to do what they can, right? So one of the things that I do is I learned, I tried to educate to um, stand in the corner instead of saying the world's going to end. I would say, well, maybe you shouldn't light that match <laughs> or maybe you shouldn't have another nuclear power plant or maybe we should look at the toxins we're generating. You know that the age of mankind is known by a layer of plastic that is going to leave on the earth, a layer of plastic. And archaeologists are looking in the you know in the future, looking at us in the past. It's going to be this layer of plastic. Oh, that's the age of mankind. That's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, right now, because I worked when I I didn't work, I volunteered my time for the tree people here, and I was doing stuff for them, and and we had meetings, and there was a, a, not a, a meeting maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Well, it's actually 20 years, in the uh, year 2000, okay? So somewhere, somewhere around 2000, 2001, because the meeting was mainly about 2001, you know, being the new, the new century, the new scientific century, and we wanted to be able to deal with climate change and so forth and what we can do about it. Well, I propose that we plant more trees. <laughs> Right, plant more trees. That the the cover, the aerial cover, the green cover of a city, should be fifty to sixty percent, if not seventy percent. Um, I had a dream that as a pilot, I was flying over the airport and I couldn't find it because there's just trees everywhere. That's a bit too much. That's a hundred percent. Fifty percent is good. If you have fifty percent tree coverage, seventy percent is excellent. If you have seventy percent tree coverage. As I said before, trees take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen. Duh. They, they control the water flow. They control the, the, the subterranean water flow. Uh, lots of things about trees. And they take a long time to start. And if you had planted those trees 20 years ago, they would be 20-year-old year tree now, better than no trees at all in lots many areas of the world. It could be done year-round. And we in the United States, we have destroyed uh, plenty of forests, just like we're, for, we're destroying forests around the world. Um, I think we should pay people, countries who have trees, to keep their trees, just like we're paying farmers here not to grow. So we can pay those people not to cut down the trees. That's the start. Stop cutting down trees. Then we need to immediately be planting trees, replacing trees that we have already cut down, planting more forests. The cities need to have more tree growth, okay? And, and these take these are long-term solutions. You know, I talk about short-term and long-term solutions, right? So the you know, there's always a short-term solution how to to control to get this climate change under control, okay? The short-term solution is obvious. Is is that the city, all the countries need to say, okay, wait a minute. Just like on Star Trek, there was a uh, a uh, big battle, a big scene between the it wasn't the Klingon, but it was the uh, the uh, the Federation and some other race. And uh, because I, I, you know, Captain Kirk is one of my favorite uh, Star Trek captains, 
he basically told the uh, the other race, look, um, Wisha's not going to, Wisha's don't need to kill today. We have a mutual problem. Let's work on the problem, and then we'll figure out the when we're going to kill us later. And I think we all should get together and say, look, we have this immediate crisis we need to deal with. We need to change the the way we do business. We need to change our fuel, where we get our fuel. We need to change our idea about money, about energy, about uh, social structures, about people. Uh, lots of things need to, can happen at the same time. You know, normally, you know, I mean, another way we could we could do it is we can have like an alien come to Earth and say, "People of the Earth, I'm taking over. If you don't obey my orders, I will destroy you." And let him take over. Then he would say, okay, fine, you have to clean this mess up. This is what you have to do. And everybody would do it because it would be one ruler, right? <clears throat> we don't need to do that. We can get together and decide to make to, – and we can do it within a few years. You know, it, we can we can stop using this type of fuel system. We can develop clean, alternative, sustainable fuel systems. We can start cleaning up the planet. It's going to take a few years. Ten years, we can have the planet cleaned up. But we can start cleaning it up immediately by stop by stopping the pollution process. Say, okay, this is what we're doing to pollute. Let's stop that, and let's clean that up and figure out another way that we get with the same thing out of it or something better. There's always a choice. There's always alternatives. But and so what I can do is start at my level, and starting at at my level means that I when I in my business that's what I do. I go out to people's properties. And I apply different types of rock dust throughout the year. I blend. I always try to blend the, the microbes and the minerals together, so I have different sources of microbes. All types of animal manure have different types of microbials, uh, life with them. Um, so I've learned to, you know, lately I've been into pelletized stuff. So I've been using pelletized chicken manure, for example. Uh, there's also pelletized llama manure. There's pelletized rabbit manure. You know. Pelletized horse, pelletized sheep, it's all type of pelletized, but they all have the bacteria with them. If they're processed wrong and they kill the bacteria, then there's not, it has to be nutrition in it, but not the microbes, which is what we want. That's one reason why I talk, I talk about having a live compost. And that's one of the things about compost that, that will help the earth to heal the earth. You know, I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to write how compost uh, can heal the earth or maybe I should say save the earth where I can save the earth because <laughs> it's true if everybody was making live compost and applying it to the soil the soil would recover faster and the soil would provide all the nutrients it needs to the trees and the trees will get stronger faster and, and not die and you can learn how to and, you know, a, a forest normally makes its own compost but that takes time, and you need the creatures, you need the animals, whether it be the birds, or whatever creatures live in the forest, because they need to poo-poo, they need to die, they need to do all kinds of things to generate the microbial life along with the leaves and everything else that falls in the, in the, in the forest. And so the, making a comp, the process of making compost is part of the single most. We make compost not because of recycling, but we make compost to heal the soil. And in terms, it heals the trees. In terms, it heals us. It heals animals. It heals birds. It heals us. That's why we make compost, right? That's the reason why we want to make the best live compost possible. So I tell people, uh, basically, if, if you're making compost, that's where you add the rock dust and the, uh, and the microbe to it. 
you add the microbes in the form of the animal manure. And you want to get a blend of different animal type of manure, right, to get a different blend of the microbes. So you have steer manure, which is different type of microbial life than sheep manure or rabbit manure, or I've, I've gotten elephant manure, um, you know, I've gotten, you know, uh, all different chicken manure, you know, uh, even earthworm castings have different types of microbe life that comes associated with those animals. The best uh, manure, there's two types of manure, they're the best between every everything, uh, earthworm castings, which is basically earthworm poo-poo, and elephant manure, and the, the smallest to the largest, and they both have unique microbial life with them, because if you think about it, it's just poo comes right in, gets broken up, and goes right out. Elephant takes the poo, goes right in, gets broken out, goes right out, right? <laughs> uh, so, um, but uh, getting elephant manure is a little bit harder these days, <laughs> right? I, 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 I was lucky enough to have gotten it from the Barnum and Bailey Circus, because they, they have a manure problem, and so they have all this elephant manure and they wanted to do something with it. And I thought, I'll take it. And I was making some uh, really nice, uh, one of the things about elephant manure is it hardens up really fast like a brick. So I had to cut it up in this, like a chainsaw and I basically making them into little gold bricks. They would fall apart. And, and that's what you do with them. You'll be inoculating the soil with that type of microbial life. And when you make your compost, you want to get a sources, different sources of animal manure into your compost along with different sources of rock dust into the compost. Uh, they both are required in trace amounts. You don't want to overdo it because then you're, you, you become toxic. Too much of one good thing is toxic. Uh, and if you do too much of one type of animal manure over, over another one, it becomes toxic to each other. You kind of have to fight it out. So you have to learn the right type of blend uh, of different types of animal manure and the right types of rock dust along with the right types of Sources of carbon, because you have to have carbon, so carbon to nitrogen ratio that you want to learn uh, how to make compost. Uh, that's going to be one of my shows coming up, how to make compost. I'm writing everything down just because, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I have it down here somewhere. <laughs> um, and so the uh, when I made compost, I always added a thin layer of rock dust along with a thin layer of the animal manure. Uh, I always, uh, in, when I was in Florida, I, I had, um, uh, I, was gonna, I was calling the seven largest compost pile in the world, but basically the, uh, I, I finally got the, I would go to a farm, say, right, and I would get horse manure or chicken manure or rabbit manure or llama, you know, cow. And then I started talking to them. I said, well, where, you know, you actually have to take it to, where are you taking it to to dump it in that canister? Well, how about you just take it and dump it on my property? And if you do it in a certain way, you can have an endless place you can dump your stuff. And I would like to, you know, uh, and I blend it up with my other things and have compost coming out of the other end. And if you wanted compost, I can work something out where you give me your stuff and that gives you some nice rich compost in exchange for it. And so... Uh, they would, uh, you know, back up their their uh, trucks with whether it be rabbit manure, sheep manure, whatever the manure is. And in the process, when the trucks would come, I would take the my rock dust blend and I would sprinkle it, would jump onto the back of the truck, dump a layer on top so that when they dumped the truck, they were actually blending in the rock dust with the manure. And that would get dumped on top of something that I call a core. Basically, I make a, a core pile of compost. In that core 
core pile, I already have compost from previous compost I was making. So they have all the very rich type of microbial life and they're already functioning, already ready to go. Already has a nice sources of the carbon, whether it be through leaves or wood chips that I would, or wood products, you know, like wood leaf, wood um, branches or parts of the trees I would grind up into a finer, a finer dust, you know, finer product or whatever form of carbon. One of the best sources of carbon to add is um, um, bio, biochar is an excellent source of carbon. That's one reason it works really well because it's an excellent source of carbon for the microbial life to uh, eat because that's how it works is the microbes take the carbon, turn it into carbon, a, a, a carbon, a carbonic acid, which then breaks down the minerals and then breaks it down into a form that the the, it's available through the root hairs of the trees, which then uh, other creatures eat, whether it be animals, insects, or us. Um, that's why, as a vegetarian, I, I always want to eat the best food that has the minerals in it. And I learn, I know that it has the minerals in it because I put it in there, right? My, you know, if you if you if you go back to millions of years when we were hunter gatherers, we would run around the countryside and just eat the herbs and see whatever because Mother Nature was providing it. Then animals, all kinds of stuff, was giving the minerals and it was very rich. Uh, but if we have this garden in our backyard, uh, it's called soil depletion. You gotta you gotta help it to keep going. Otherwise, we're just gonna be taken out of it because we're not putting anything back in again. See what I'm saying? So uh, that whole process is uh, that people um, uh, don't, don't really understand, and they don't, and they don't, um, you know, uh, incorporate it because that's very important that you do that to the soil. You you replenish the soil, otherwise it's just going to have uh, it's just going to deplete, right? It will not um, have the minerals. Right? It won't have the minerals that you need. BBSradio.com, home of Don't Panic, It's Organic, with Andy Lopez, the Invisible Gardener. Whenever I come to Earth, I listen to BBSradio.com. Um, that's one of my, um, another show that I do is called uh, WTF, and it's done by um, an alien. His name is Krell. He comes to Earth, and um, this basically the computer won't let him eat the fish. This is a toxic danger. Uh, won't let him go swimming in the ocean. <laughs> um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's called What the Frack, WTF. Uh, that's on another one of my uh, that's one of my shows I do. Uh, I have a several of them, as I explained before. Uh, they're uh, on TalkShoe. You also can get them on iTunes. Uh, so next week, we have um, Josh Tickle. He's going to be on to guest. He did. Uh, he wrote the, the book Kiss the Ground, right? Um, which is a really cool book. You should pick it up uh, if, you, if you like what I've been talking about. Uh, this guy is way ahead of everybody else, okay? Um, it's a Sundance award-winning film editor best-selling author and thought leader in the fields of youth, climate, and alternative energy. Right, nice. In 1997, Josh vividly painted Veggie Van, made headlines across the United States as it picked up used frying oil and turned into fuel. His subsequent movie, Fuel, went into theaters globally and was shown in the White House. He is the author of the books Kiss the Ground, 
and the revolution generation. I haven't gotten the revolution generation yet. I have to pick that up. He's a co-director and producer of the upcoming documentaries, Kiss the Ground and the Revolution Generation. That's going to be on next week. Uh, Josh Tickle. And then uh, next, next, let's see what I do with it. Next, uh, the week after that, we still have two more weeks on, on, uh, on Rock Dust. And we're going to see who we have on as a guest. I'm trying to get some other people on here as a guest to talk, to talk about Rock Dust and what they do with it in their lives. Uh, next month, we have um, a Natural Pest Control uh, Control Month. So um, I'll be, that's a good time to send me your questions about ants and fleas and ticks and spiders and gophers and whatever else. So I can talk about that. Um, and then the month after that, I'm doing the natural uh, disease control month, uh, or organic. I say natural and organic. It's the same thing. Uh, and the month after that, I'm going to do uh, natural tree care. Then I have natural food tree after that, organic lawn care after that, organic rose care after that. I'm doing the organic vegetable garden, natural pest control, uh, pet control, and and more. And so I'm, I'm going to have the rock dust day coming up again, um, not too too long from now. Uh, especially if I get some more people on to talk about rock dust, but I've been talking about rock dust forever and I'm going to continue doing that, right? Because uh, that's a very important aspect of healing uh, Mother Nature. And so we'll be on again next week and my show is coming up uh, called The Cosmic Spaceship. Uh, it's a little different than anything I normally do, right? <laughs> uh, but I... Um, I like writing music, and um, uh, this is what the show, that Cosmic Spaceship, is all about: writing music and, and letting people listen to you. So you'll be the first to hear it here. Uh, so I'll be back again next week. I think we got a, a few more minutes uh, before the the uh, show moves on to the next uh, station, next place. Take care now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.